1: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Princess Catherine launches a new campaign and delivers a moving speech. Healthy, happy children shape a healthy, happy future. Plus, Harry's Netflix director fires back as the royals have yet to apologize to Prince Harry. And there's all these rumors popping up, like, is are they
3: going to have, you know, a peace summit? Is the Archbishop of Canterbury going to mediate? Yes. Um, is Prince Charles going to go on the BBC and tell his side of the story? There's so many of these stories and I don't know
2: if any of them are really true at this point or is it all speculation? Plus author Valentine Lowe discusses Meghan Markle's bullying claims and where the royals stand.
4: They, they've stayed, they've stayed absolutely quiet, uh, uh, which is quite interesting because they, they just, they, just, they don't want to fan the flames. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make it any worse than it already is. We've
2: got that plus so much more in today's Royal Us. Yes. Hello to our fellow Royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina. That's Christine. Christine, how's it going? It's been an it's been an interesting week, actually. I think interesting is a good word for it. Definitely, it has been. I apologize to everybody. My I lost my voice, so that's why it sounds like I'm struggling. So please bear with me. But we have a <laughs> lot of news to get to. A great interview with Valentine Lowe, who has a brand new book out. But before we get to all of that, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Susan said King Charles's plans for the coronation shows that he is in touch with current economic challenges the plans that he have been the plans that have been announced seem to hit just the right balance yeah it seems like they're um putting together a really great event
3: yeah it definitely you know something we've talked about a lot is making sure that you know the monarchy still feels relevant and important in our modern world and so far i think they're doing a good job of balancing you know the history and the tradition with You know, it's 2023.
2: Yeah, definitely. Heather J says King Charles and his family should just get prepared for spare two and three. And for Meghan's books and more Netflix, as this is their bread and butter and their fame, I think the best thing is for the British government to just go ahead and remove Harry and Meghan's titles and let them move on as private Americans. Just my opinion. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week with Jonathan, about how um, some members of Parliament are... um, being encouraged to strip them of their titles, I don't think the royal family will, but it seems like people want to get this done.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily something that the royal family can technically do. It would take an act of Parliament. And it almost seems like because we haven't heard anything from the royal family, we're only hearing these sort of rumors out of Parliament. It's a really situation, but I don't know if anything will ever actually come from it. So I think we just have to wait and
2: see. Definitely. And then Salma says, I can understand where Harry's mistrust of the media may come from, but you can despise something yet use it to destroy your family and make millions of dollars by doing that. That must be the ultimate hypocrisy. Yeah, kind of <laughs>
3: a lot of people are you know
2: finding holes in the logic i yes, guess definitely all right well let's move right along um, to our royal roundup and kick it off obviously big news this week for the princess of wales because she announced the shaping us campaign for her royal foundation center for early childhood we've been talking about this for a long time this is something that she's very passionate about so she has this brand new campaign which highlights the critical importance for the first five years of lives on shaping the adults that we become she said in an open letter. That um, the campaign and we'll start by highlighting how we developed during early childhood and why these years matter so much in terms of shaping who we become so she made a speech about it so take a quick look as you all know by building a supportive nurturing world around children and those caring for them we can make a huge difference to generations to come yeah, this seems like a, a huge new campaign. She gave a really moving, touching speech. Speech, you know, saying that obviously these first five years, these formative years, shape who you are as a person. It's um, a huge project that
3: they're, you know, that the Royal Foundation for Early Childhood is very excited to launch. They've already released um, a short claymation um, film, which was so beautiful. I mean, it was. It, it's not very long, and I got misty eyed. So please take a look at that and there's also a lot of videos on you know managing emotions and sort of those key aspects of early childhood that are most important to address in those first 5 years it's i'm excited because it looks like there's a huge unveiling over the next couple of days you know we saw Kate up in Leeds today she visited um the Leeds market where she met with parents and locals and talked about how the community can really help, you know, children, because this isn't, this isn't just about parents. This isn't mom and dad. It's not even just about grandma and grandpa. This is everybody seeing this as their responsibility to improve the next generation. Mm -hmm. It's about neighbors helping neighbors and, you know, even someone in the grocery store helping you get, you know, with your kids in the, in the shopping cart, you know, all of that helps improve the next generation. And this campaign is about um, raising awareness for that because, uh, according to their recent research, 36 percent of adults didn't know that how pivotal those first five years are in early childhood development and so they want to raise awareness not just for the parents but for the the community you know this is really, um, as, you know, as a culture, this needs to be a cultural shift because everyone's responsible,
2: not just the parents. It's so true, yeah, and uh, like we said, she's been a big advocate for this for so long, and I think it's a really, really great initiative to get behind, and and this is just the, just the beginning, so really excited to see what she has coming up in the next few weeks. Um, but while she's busy with her new campaign, the Prince of Wales spent some time with the finalists of his second annual Earthshot Prize Awards, which, of course, aims to promote impactful approaches to the environment. Um, he did not come actually face-to-face with any of the 15 finalists when he was in Boston back in December, as they stayed at their home bases around the world. But now was he was able to sit down with them face-to-face and see what they're, see what progress they have made. Um, so it seems like they had a great like a great meeting. They posed together for a photo with Prince William taking a spot in the middle with the caption, class of 2022. So obviously the earth shot is still a big uh, deal for him. We We don't know what this year's awards are going to look like. Obviously, we have a few months to go until that happens. But um, very cool for all these finalists to get to meet him and see him face to face.
3: Yeah, I think this was really cool. And it was interesting, because in December, there was actually some criticism of, you know, why were so many celebrities at the award ceremony, but not the actual award recipients. And the answer was sort of because, you know, they, they do tend to have limited funds, and it was better for their funds not to go towards travel, but towards their projects. And now for this, this seems like such a better use of time and money for these projects to come together in a collaborative way. Because it's not just about, you know, like, a little vacation and meeting Prince William, these mm-hmm. projects can probably learn so much from each other and work together to improve their own projects, improve other projects, and just push this initiative forward. Definitely.
2: All right. This was a, a really sweet sweet and sad story. Um, James Middleton thanks, thanked his sisters, Kate and Pippa, for supporting him during his darkest days of depression. He wrote this beautiful, heartfelt essay for the Sunday Times following the death of his dog, Ella, who died earlier this month at the age of 15 from kidney failure As we know, if you ever looked at his Instagram, he loves his dogs. He loved Ella. And he previously credited Ella for um, basically saving him during his struggle with depression and um, things like that. He wrote, everybody knew how much she meant to me. And there was a day they feared the most. The day Ella was no longer in my life. She meant something to all of them too. My sisters came to some of my therapy sessions. They've always been there during difficult times and they were at my side during the hardest of times as well. Obviously, Ella is part of, like everybody's family because um like princess kate and prince william pippa and and her husband james they both have dogs that were descended from Ella. He wrote, all the family came to say their goodbyes. I can't speak for them, but I believe she influenced their lives too. Lupo, Catherine and William's dog was one of Ella's puppies. My sister, Pippa, and her husband have a pup from Ella, as do other family members. So I, obviously dogs become part of the family. And this was such a huge part of his life. And it's nice that everybody kind of rallied around him in what I'm sure was a really difficult time.
3: It was It's so sad. I was really, really upset to see this post yeah. because I think... Ella has almost become her own sort of character in the family mm-hmm. um, Kate's current dog Orla is descendant from Ella but not directly mm-hmm. and it was just so moving to read his experience and it resonated with so many people didn't it so many of us have dogs or you know your pet that just sort of gets you through those really hard days and I love that he's using his platform you know I imagine I don't know his story but I imagine some of his difficulties may have come from the unique situation he's been thrust into Right. Mm-hmm. And now he's using that platform for good for promoting um, pets as therapy for promoting um, guide dogs UK. And I think it's just turned into this incredible thing. And Ella's created such an incredible legacy. We actually use their dog food, the Ellen co oh. dog food. So I was extra sad because we sort of, you know, get that every month and it was um such a
2: such sad news it was but quite the legacy and glad everybody is there for yeah. him during this time all right let's move on to prince harry because it we'll wouldn't be a week without some prince harry news um <laughs> he has set to make his first appearance since spare um and better up announced that he will be making uh, he will be speaking at the coaching and mental health Companies upcoming uplift summit in san francisco in march We'll join Issa Ray, David Chang, Robin Arzone, Adam Grant, and so many more to discuss purpose, performance, and human transformation. Um, the conference is set to be held on March 7th and 8th. A virtual registration is free, so if you want to attend, make sure to do so. Of course, he has served as Chief Impact Officer for the Coaching Platform since March of 2021. So it seems like he um, you know, is getting back out there after this media blitz. As for Megan, she's been very under the radar since the Netflix documentary, came out. We really haven't seen her all that much.
3: Yeah, we really haven't seen anything out of Megan. But even now moving forward, it'll be interesting to see what their role and what their work looks like. I think this event with BetterUp is sort of a, a, a hint. I think they're going to do lots of speaking appearances, lots of sort of consulting projects, things like that, as they kind of find their stride. Um, and as they expand Archwell, which had some right. news this
2: Yeah, some big news this week. They they released their first impact report, which uh, shared statistics of the work of the foundation from 2020 to 2022. Um, They said in 2021, it raised about $13 million and gave approximately $3 million in grants. People Magazine reported that the remainder is being allocated for charitable grants in the years to come. Uh, The charitable organization also helped procure um, almost 13 million in COVID-19 vaccines in partnership with Global Citizen, served $50,000, 50,000 meals in collaboration with World Central Kitchen, and helped almost 8,000 people leave Afghanistan following our grant to Human First Coalition. Um, They also um gave a playground to Uvalde, Texas following the deadly shooting they um they reached almost 4000 people in 120 22 countries um uh, for positivity masculinity for equimundo um so they've been really doing a lot of great work which you know, would hope to be the focus of what we talk about with them, but unfortunately, their um, other projects have uh, overshadowed this. But it seems like they are doing doing some great work.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So many of these projects were. I was. I was even surprised to hear, yeah. and some of them was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that," right? Because all of their R12 work has really been overshadowed by their family drama. And my hope is that in the next year and in the coming years, we see more of their work with R12, more of their charitable um, and entrepreneurial projects taking center stage and all this gossip and drama sort of taking a backseat.
2: We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this was interesting. So L- Lady Suzanne Husky joined members of the royal family for a church service on January 29th. Of course, fo- this was following her resignation as a pallidist aide amid a racist incident um, last year. She um, was seen walking to and from St. Mary Magdalene in Sandringham with King Charles. Um, and Princess Anne was there. And, um, you know, of course, she was beloved by the late queen. She's uh, Prince William's godmother. And despite no longer working for the family, she seems to be very close with them. Of course, we remember what happened um, back in November of 2022 with Nagazi fulani when she took to social media and claimed that she was asked some racially loaded questions by Lady Suzanne Hussey. So um, and then, of course, she resigned from her position amid the allegations. But it seems like she is still close with the family. And even Prince Harry said that um, she probably didn't mean anything by this and that uh, he supported her as well.
3: Yeah, this is such an interesting story that seems to, to not want to yeah. go away. I think she is still very close to the family, but not being in a public role and not really serving on behalf of the crown is probably a more appropriate place for her. Plus, she's she's quite old. She probably wants to sort of put her feet up and relax. And it's interesting to see the dynamic, you know, with William first you know, speaking out about how horrible the situation was, then Harry... Speaking about how wonderful she is. It's, right. It just seems to be such an interesting story
2: that won't die. It really won't. It really won't. All right, well, let's build some royalty. And this was interesting. So actor Alan Cummings is no longer an officer of the most excellent order of the British Empire. He marked his 50th birthday by actually announcing this on Instagram, saying that he returned his OBE that was given to him in 2009 by Queen Elizabeth as part of her birthday honors list. Um, he wrote that he uh, returned it um, and he was honored for his work as an actor as well as his campaigning in LGBTQ plus rights. He wrote the queen's death and the ensuing conversations about the role of monarchy and especially the way the British empire profited at the expense and death of indigenous peoples across the world really opened my eyes. Also thankfully times and laws in the, in the U S have changed and the great good, the award brought to the LGBTQ plus cause back in 2009 is now less potent than the misgivings. I have been associated with the toxicity of the empire. OBE stands for officer of the British empire. Um, he continued saying, I, so I returned my award, explained my reasons and reiterated my great gratitude for being given it in the first place. I'm now back to being plain old Alan coming again. Happy birthday to me. Interesting.
3: Very interesting. I, you know, it's, he's really dived into really complex issues and I found the um, his action interesting. I think is the word, and it really makes you think. And I'm sure that's what he wanted you know you to do to really think about what these things mean. But I, I don't know that the award necessarily represents the British Empire except by a name, and and I could be wrong in that. But I think it's more of you know recognizing really special people throughout the United Kingdom. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I It's making you think and it's making us reconsider things that maybe historically were very problematic or even, you know, presently are very problematic. I just don't know if this was this was the most sensible thing to it. Just to me, <laughs> um, yes, it's called the officer of the British Empire, but it's really to recognize people throughout the UK. So I think it's sort of a backhanded insult to people who are being given them or who are keeping them,
2: you know? Mm -hmm. No, totally. I totally agree with you. It does seem kind of like a backhanded.
0: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure
2: thing um, and yeah. a weird birthday message, I guess. I don't know. It just <laughs> yeah. But whatever makes him happy and whatever he feels is the right thing to do. Totally. Um, let's talk about, this is interesting. So Liz Garbus opened up about directing Prince Harry and Meghan's Netflix talkie series and claimed the experience gave her a look into the alleged mind games of the Royal family. She said in an interview with Vanity Fair, Buckingham Palace said that we didn't reach out for comment about Harry and Meghan when we did, they did that to discredit us. And by discrediting us, they can discredit the content of the show. We lived through some of those moments that were a little bit like Alice through the looking glass. Um, Of course, this was um a source exclusively told us weekly that the general consensus among the firm was that Harry and Meghan weren't doing themselves any favors by speaking out about the family, and that the pair were only digging themselves into a deeper hole with these tell alls. Um, I don't know. It's like this, these back and forth just keep going, but it's interesting that they were saying that like, this was kind of like a mind games type of thing and that they did reach out for a comment and they just didn't get one.
3: Yeah. And it feels very like he, he said, she yeah. said, and there's so many people involved in so many different moving parts that it's, it, it is a mind game, but I think right. it's us that are being played, you
2: know? Seriously. No, I totally. And who knows how far, yes, they probably reached out for comment, but who knows how far up the ladder that even went. Right. And, you know, it could have just been lost in somebody's, I'm not making any excuses, lost in somebody's inbox. It never got to the right people, which I kind of highly doubt as well. But, you know, maybe they just didn't want to like, the flames for this one
3: yeah it's it's such an interesting situation again it's one of those stories that just like won't go away yeah, you know or like that we won't ever have a resolution to
2: we're never uh, gonna know we're never yeah. we're really never yeah. gonna know and i mean that kind of goes into this next story too because the source has told us that harry hasn't gotten a personal apology megan hasn't gotten an apology i don't think we're gonna get one a source told us that no <laughs> apology to megan has been made by the palace which frustrates harry nor has he reached a personal apology. He was hoping his family, especially William, would lay their cards on the table and have an open conversation with him they haven't made progress. At this point, the Royals can only move forward and come to some form of truce with Harry if if everyone sits down and talks through their issues privately. But I don't know if that's going to happen either. I think both on both sides, there's a trust issue there, and I don't think either one feels like if they have a conversation that that won't get to the press.
3: Absolutely. I feel like there's there's so so little trust between these two parties at this point and there's all these rumors propping up like is are they going to have, you know, a peace summit is the Archbishop of Canterbury going to mediate yeah. um, is Prince Charles going to go on the BBC and tell his side of the story there's so many of these stories and I don't know if any of them are really true at this point, or is it all speculation. Only time will tell, but I imagine that 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 relationship, especially that personal relationship, is so hugely fractured. I wouldn't expect an apology anytime
2: soon. No way, no way. And I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, to speculate even further, uh, let's break down some royal rules. And this week, we sit down with Valentine Lowe. He, of course, is a royal expert and author of Courtiers, Intrigue, Ambition, and the Power Players Behind the House of Windsor. We discussed why the royal family hasn't responded, which we were just kind of talking about and his bombshell bullying report on Meghan Markle, which came out um, a couple of years ago. So take a look.
5: You write in the book, and I want to know if you still feel this way way that Meghan did Harry a kindness by taking him out of the royal family. Now that everything has happened with the, you know, the Netflix documentary and then Spare, do you still feel that way?
4: Well, I I think probably, look. I don't think that the way they left and what they've done is good. I mean, you know, Laying your family's dirty linen out there in public, it's its its a painful thing to do, and I'm not sure William will ever forgive him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's probably good for, for his own sanity that mm-hmm. Harry's out, out of the royal family, mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, being born into the royal family shouldn't have to be a life sentence. I think, you know, if, if it doesn't suit you, um, you should be able to get out. But, you know, other royal families in Europe seem to be handling this better, the idea that you can Go off and lead a private life, mm-hmm. but I think one of the problems uh, Harry and Meghan w- wanted to go off and lead a new life, but wasn't necessarily a private one. They they wanted to ha- have all the attention, and um, you know they would argue in order to do some good in the world. Right. But you know that they, they, they they've traded tra- tra- one high octane, high profile life for another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a way, he would have been happy if he'd adopted went for, adopted a more private life. Megan, I'm not so sure.
5: Right. I mean, clearly she had problems with the staff. I mean, you blew the lid off the this, this story um, a few years back about the bullying allegations and things like that. But obviously, Jason went to the to H.R. in 2018. Why did it take so long for this to become public? And is this something that they wanted to keep under wraps for quite some time?
4: Um, I, I think um, it remained private for a long, such a long time, partly because of the loyalty of staff. Right. Um, that You know, it, it's for all that Harry says about leaks and um, planting of stories, actually it's, it's, it's a very tight institution. Mm -hmm. and Several people go there from politics. And uh, and one of them said uh, after a while, they were absolutely astonished the fact that stories didn't leak. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said in the world of politics, this, this would have been out in a week. Uh, And (laughs) uh, yeah, it, it is amazing. But, you know, one of the things that Harry, Megan's people said uh, when when I got that story that it was um, a deliberate uh, smear by Buckingham Palace. Uh, well, no, it wasn't because Buckingham Palace did not emerge well from this because um, they did nothing when when Jason Kanael, uh made that accusation in that email that Megan was bullying staff. Um, Buckingham Palace did nothing because they didn't know what to do. Right. That you know they they hadn't had this. Uh, situation before where uh, you know a member of the royal family, people, you know, one thing is staff bully other staff. You you got mechanisms. HR had to deal with that, but if, if it's a royal doing it, they they just didn't know what to do, and they were they were stuck like a rabbit in the headlights. Right. Um, so their the inaction did not reflect very well on them at all, uh, and that's one of the reasons why it didn't come out because, frankly, it was in very few people's interest for it to come out, except perhaps the the, the Victims of bullying who, mm-hmm. you know, finally thought we want our story heard.
5: Right. And do you feel like they still stick by their story after all these years later? And knowing what you know, would you categorize Megan as a bully or was it just the cultural
4: differences? Um uh, they definitely still stick by their story, without a doubt. Um, they're very angry, and mm. they're very angry at some of the things that Harry says in his book. Right. Um, and, yeah, you know, I can't judge whether she was a bully. I wasn't in the room. But I, I do definitely think it was more than just cultural differences. Uh, I think she was at the very least tricky boss and I you know, if, if this had been an ordinary company uh, you know, I don't know what that palace report there was a palace report into all of this they buried it We ne- never know knew what they said but uh I suspect that at the very least, um, if she'd been a sort of, as a, a a middle manager being accused of things, at the very least, I think she'd been sent on a course afterwards. Right,
5: yes. I mean, the palace never did reveal the investi- the findings of the investigation into the bullying no. claims. Do you know if, or do you feel like this will ever be made public? And you know, what um, What have sources told you about it? Or do you think they want to keep it under wraps to kind of keep somewhat peace between Harriet and Meghan?
4: I think they definitely want to keep it on wraps in order in order to keep the peace. Yeah. Cause I suspect uh whether, you know, she's completely, as we're found guilty of bullying, I don't know. But I think there is at the very least some criticism of Meghan's behavior. I am guessing, but that's what I would have thought. Uh and if this comes out, it would just You've just prompt another outburst from Harry and Meghan and they they just don't want to prompt, they don't don't want to provoke that.
5: No, definitely. Is it true that Harry maybe wanted to cancel spare after the du- jubilee? And do you feel like he regrets this at all? I mean, he went on a full court media blitz after all this. So I mean, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of remorse, but do you feel like he has any regrets considering the reaction that he's gotten?
4: Well, uh, I mean, it, it was me, me who wrote the story that he, he right. was. Considering writing uh, cancelling spare, and I, you know, I, 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 would stand by that story. My sources stand by that. So, you know, I think maybe it was a temporary thing. He was going through a moment of doubt, uh, and of course, the, the media blitz. That's that's a new contract, isn't it? You know, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. once once you write the book, you have the you have to do the media blitz. Um, there was a very interesting um, story in another newspaper uh, in, in Britain the other day. In the, in the Daily Telegraph suggesting that um, uh, Megan was, you know, perhaps sort of slightly distancing herself from some of the things in, in Harry's books sort and of just slightly, you know, expressing reservations, mm. but, you know, let it let it get on with it. Uh, I don't know where that story came from, but I suspect that somewhere or somehow or other it's sort of Megan inspired. And I, I would like to know what's going on behind the scenes. I think it's a very interesting dynamic.
5: Definitely. I mean, do you feel like Harry may be shocked that the Royals never released a statement about the book claims? And do you maybe feel like he could be angry that he didn't get a reaction from them?
4: That's a very interesting question. I haven't heard it put like that. Good thought. Um, uh, he he was, as he said in various interviews, he, you know, he wants an apology from them. And, uh I don't think any apologies forthcoming at the moment because partly because they don't receive what they have to apologize for. He's made all these accusations about leakings and briefings and so on without ever coming up with particulars or with evidence. So so um I yeah, I, I what's noticeable that you know they, they didn't react. Um They've stayed, they've stayed absolutely quiet, right. um, uh, which is quite interesting because they, they just they just they don't want to fan the flames. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make it any worse than it already is. Mm-hmm.
5: Do you foresee any maybe temporary reconciliation before the coronation?
4: Oh, uh, well, I'd love to see it. I mean, you know, I, you know, it always makes good copy for journalists like myself. But you know, well, I don't like to see a family tear itself apart. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and. But it's hard to see how reconciliation happens, because because surely in order to do that, you have to have you have to have sort of private conversations, um, delicate conversations, sometimes painful conversations, uh, and and they really have to be done in private. And the royal family feels you can't really trust Harry to keep things private. He's put so much into the public domain, so it's kind of hard to see how you even how you have the conversations that are necessary in order to mend the rift.
5: Definitely. And, you know, you write in the book and, you know, we've seen this as well, that uh, the princess of Wales, you know, always played peacemaker or sometimes played peacemaker between William and Harry. We saw it at Prince Philip's uh, funeral. I mean, now knowing what he said about her in the book, do you feel like that um, that outlet for him is kind of lost as well?
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It will, it, it will be slightly harder for her to play the peacemaker, won't it? Um, I, I don't know. But but she'll still be motivated to do that. I think that's, that's a natural inclination. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, definitely um, an interesting conversation with um, Valentine. You know, he was the one that first uh, wrote about the bullying allegations against Megan. He still stands by that story and says a lot of the people that were involved in that still stand by their story as well. That's one
3: that I really wish the the NDAs would expire.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Another one that we're probably never going to know the answer yeah. to on that one either. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our royal history moment of the week. And one of Princess Diana's gowns has sold for well au- over the pre-auction estimate. Diana's purple silk velvet gown from 1989, designed by Victor Edelstein, was estimated... At eighty thousand to one hundred twenty thousand, well, it sold for five times that amount at six hundred and four thousand dollars. This is amazing, according to the auction note from Sotheby's. Edelstein designed the dress as part of his autumn nineteen eighty nine collection. I mean, whoever got that one beautiful gown, (laughs) I I wonder who is it? Kim Kardashian again? Is she going to accessorize with the necklace? It would match the. I
3: know it would. It would, and what a look to follow her Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) maybe we're on to something a Met Gala moment um, right. this is such a beautiful dress it is really iconic I do wonder what people do with these dresses when they buy them especially for such mu- so much money
2: I, I, th- I honestly think you're onto something. I feel like this is a Met Gala <laughs> moment uh, waiting to happen. And I can totally see it. I can totally see it. From Marilyn to Diana. I mean, what could, what, okay. what? You've heard it here first. Seriously. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Royally Us. Everybody keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week.